Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. come to you today and we want to deal, continue on dealing with the issue of finances and we, our series is called Financial Fitness. Financial Fitness. When someone uh, is in shape physically, there's two things we can be sure of. Principles you don't even have to ask about, you already know. If someone's in shape, we know they have been thinking about what they eat. We don't know what diet, we don't know how often they diet, we don't know if they fast, we just know they've been thinking about that. In addition to that, we know they've been moving some, doing push-ups, squat thrusts, praise God, something. They've been doing something. They watch what they eat, they do some exercise, and you know what happens when you operate in those two principles? We start to know. And isn't it fun when your friends get in shape? Look, look at you. Okay, okay. And you think, what are you doing to be in such great shape? Because you look good. But the interesting thing about being financially in shape is we can't tell. Because you can look good but be totally out of shape in your budget. The challenge that we, we have is much of the thrust that we've experienced from friends, family, and culture is make money. Because you can make money, you now buy things. And the cycle within our culture is make money, buy things, look good. And so that is the tension that we feel with money. And culturally, there is a pressure on us. Um, Throughout the centuries, there's always been labor and reward. But with labor and reward, we would call, the way that it operated is called the law of the harvest, which created delayed gratification. The Bible says in Galatians 6, he says, let us not grow weary of doing good, For in due season, we will reap if we don't give up. So he says we will reap. Now before that, if you would reap, that means you've sown. You put a seed in the ground and you're waiting to reap on the harvest from the seed that you've sown. Every farmer knew If I sow now, I'll reap later. I'll reap later and I'll reap greater. If I sow now. They knew that it was impossible for good things to grow overnight. That you couldn't get what you wanted immediately. You had to wait. Moreover, they had a clear estimation of what they could get based upon the work that they did. In other words, if I had three seeds, I'm going to have three trees. The harvest had a correlation to the sowing. 
So there was a natural understanding of what you actually had, and there was an understanding that you had to wait. And our culture is not that way anymore. Now you can have an immediate harvest. And now you can have more trees than you had seeds. You can have more harvest than you have labor. If you want a car, get it now. You can get it now. If you want a bigger TV, you can get it now. You want to go there? You want to go on that trip? You can go now. You can. The latest and the greatest are always available to you in our current culture. And there are consequences to having an immediate harvest. Consequences of being able to get what you want and do what you want right now. One of the biggest challenges is consumer debt. Consumer debt causes us to go into debt for things that are not essential. Whether it's going out, whether it's eating, whether it's with friends, whether it's getting a nice, getting clothes, it's constant. And there is a constant pressure to get it right now. And this was not the case years ago. When I was growing up, we used to have this thing called paper money. <laughs> and if what I purchased was $43, I would have to get $43 out of my pocket. You would go to the register and you had to put money on the counter. And you know why they call that area the counter? Because you would count money on it. And you would put down your 20, 40, and you find a way to get those $3. And then if it was 73 cents, you had to dig around in your pocket, you had to figure out, do I need to break a dollar? But the bottom line was, whatever I wanted, I felt an immediate consequence because of paper money. Then we moved to debit cards. And debit cards was just this magic plastic, right? You just, it moves from your hand into the person, whoever it is that takes it, and then there's money. And now we tap, right? I tap, you tap, I tap, beep. I like it, it's quick, efficient. It feels like magic. But what's actually happening is it gets you farther and farther away of looking at your money. And it creates in your mind you actually have magic invisible money. You don't have to tap your pocket. You can just tap, beep. You don't have to count it out. You just swipe a rock, swipe across. And so that distance from reality is increasing our imagination of what we really have. And so the consumer debt, this, this consequence of this immediate harvest, first is our imagination. Some of us don't even budget. We just have an imaginary budget. It's just like, I feel it. I feel like I have enough. <laughs> I sense it. And so in light of that, this bleeds into when people get married or in a relationship, there's always one person who is more impulsive than the next. And so because of that, there's now pressure for lifestyle, not just goals. Every couple has goals, but lifestyle. 
What can we do now? What can we wear now? What can we get now? And what it ends up doing, this tension on lifestyle, begins to make people wonder, well, maybe I should put my money in a different account. Or maybe I should make decisions without even talking to them. And then what that leads to is secret decisions made financially. And that's a cancer in a relationship. Breeds all types of mistrust. And then you think about children. When it comes to children, children see mommy and daddy swiping all the time. You know what that teaches them? That teaches them, I can get things when I want. And so this immediate harvest, the consequence is entitled kids. Why not? Why can't, why can't I get that toy when you went out to brunch? Why can't I get stuff when you always get stuff? You never say no to yourself. And so you teach children that anything they want, they can have. Because that's the way we live. But why are we doing this series? Are we doing this series because church needs to keep the lights on? Pastor needs to go on more vacations, praise God. <laughs> Is that what we're doing this series? Are we struggling financially? What's really going on? We're about to see a thermostat behind us. Some of y'all know what that means. Well, no, we're doing, we're doing great. Are we doing this because we want to see you have more money? Sure, I'd love it if you were all wealthy. That'd be great. But the goal of this series has nothing to do with where the church is at financially. And this really isn't about you becoming more wealthy. We have to understand that how you steward your money is an indication of your devotion to God. And so we have to, we have to know that we, we tend to think, remember old school, like, uh, I know we don't bring Bibles to church anymore. And I used to say that, like, convicting, but I don't bring my Bible to church anymore, so don't feel convicted. But remember back in the day when we'd have, like, a real marked-up Bible? You see somebody with a marked-up Bible, you'd be like, man, they love God. Look at all that <laughs> yellow and purple and notes. But your budget tells me just as much as the marked up Bible. Because it is a window into your soul. And so we are doing this series not to get something from you, but it is to get something for you. Whenever you are more obedient, you will experience more blessing. That's beyond finances. Whenever you start aligning yourself to the word of God in every area of your life, you begin to experience the favor of God. So this is really something we want to see for your life. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 16 and 7, it says, the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And so we can only see what you drive, we can only see what you wear, we can only see what you buy, we can see what you eat, you may post it, we see it. But we don't really know your heart. But God gives us a little secret in the Sermon on the Mount. And in that sermon, he actually says, no, you can, 
You can see the heart. You just have to know where to look. The Bible says in Matthew 6 and 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And what the Bible is indicating is just like in conspiracies back in the day when they say follow the money, if you follow your money, you'll find your heart. Much of what this message is about is no other principle than just beginning to look at your money and see where you spend it. Because our ability to imagine what we have versus looking at what we have is a gap that continues to grow. The Bible says when you actually look at what you have, when you actually take that time, it's like an x-ray machine where you can see your heart. You can see how you work. You can see what's true of you. True of your devotion. And you would say, Pastor James, I love God so much. I believe you. I just believe that that's not the only thing you're in love with. Because I've been, <laughs> you know, I did not plan on uh, having a church so young. But you know, I have found this principle transcends age. People are in love with God, but they are also in love with leisure. You want to go where everybody else is going. You want to do what everybody else is doing. You want to wear what other people are wearing, or at least look like you wear what other people are wearing. <laughs> and it bothers you when people are doing things and you feel left out. So you will ignore your budget just to be down. And that's the tension for us all. It's a pressure. You feel this pressure. You feel the pressure of keeping up. It's so powerful in you when, when they say, well, everybody's going here and the impulse inside you can only almost feel like a command from God, like I gotta go. How could I not go? And the presumption that you can't afford it never trickles through our mind. Because we can. Because we can tap. So I believe you love God. I believe you love Father, Son, Holy Ghost. I also believe you love Ubers, brunch, and clothes. <laughs> I'm saying there's a rivalry in your heart. And, and what hovers over us is the dragon of FOMO, FOMO dragon, fear of missing out. And the fear of missing out just hovers over us and says, now, now. And it will have you going on vacation 100% on credit cards. 100%. It'll have you going out to brunch ordering lobster. You need to make a tuna fish sandwich at home. That's what you can actually afford. But you'll just be out like, yeah, pass up, get, oh, I like to dip it in butter. No. You are, you're broke. You are legitimately, there's a good portion, you are just getting by. But it's just like, I need a break, it's Sunday, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do, work all the time, you know what I'm saying? Mm. 
And so you feel like, I deserve this. Oh my gosh. What am I going to do? Not go? That's what I'm trying to tell you. It feels like a command from God. I was telling the first service, you know, um, <laughs> Natasha and I, we had been married 10 years and we wanted to go, I, I wanted to go out to this one restaurant to eat it. We were, it, was, it was our 10th anniversary. I was like, we can go to this restaurant. She was like, we can't afford it. I was like, afford, it's, <laughs> it's our anniversary. It's been 10 years. And our, and our friends are going on cruises. This is talking, you know, and I feel embarrassed. They're, they're like, well, we're going to Switzerland. Do you know where we went for our 10th anniversary? We went to this old Irish restaurant called McDonald's. <laughs> and I couldn't believe I was in McDonald's on my 10th anniversary. Do you know why I was in McDonald's on my 10th anniversary? Because that's what I could afford. So I wanted to look like I could be in a fancy place, but my budget told me I had a McDonald's budget. And I needed someone, the prophet of God, my wife, to speak into my life <laughs> and to be honest with me because she always actually looks at what we actually have. So there's a war before we start getting to, let's start talking about tithing, let's start talking about being generous, let's start talking about being honest with what you actually have and where you actually spend it. You know, we've done these series before in the past and we start, you know, teaching different principles and whatnot. And I just realized, like, a lot of people don't even look at what they have. Why? They don't, looking at what you have don't stop you from getting stuff. Not in our culture. But Jesus, it's amazing because Jesus never really took up an offering. But he did talk about money and he talked about the power of money. Look at what he says in Luke chapter 16. In Luke 16, he says, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Look what he says. You cannot serve God and money. In the imagery there, he paints a picture of money being a master. Money giving you commands. Money putting pressure on you, saying you have to, you must. And in many ways, when Jesus says, you will despise the other, you'll be devoted to one and despise the other, you may not think of despising God, but you may feel like God is to be delayed. And what I want, my impulses are to be obeyed. What I want, I need to obey that. I'll delay being generous. I'll delay giving. I'll delay that. But I'll obey my impulses now. It's a master. 
And the, tr the truth is, we put God on delay when we actually have some cash. But when life gets out of control and rent does not look like it's due and he really needs to be Jehovah Jireh, we don't want God on delay, we want God on demand. I need you now. Speak, Lord. Come now, don't wait. Right? You want God to get involved with your finances when you are broke. And most of us aren't rich. We just have enough to ignore God. So what is the tension? The tension is mastery. What I'm trying to tell you is keeping up with everyone, going out, doing what everyone is doing, it feels like a command in your soul because it is. It feels that way because it is. And at 47, well, I'll be, I'll be 47 in November, you know, my, we're doing good, not as good as some of my friends. We went, we celebrated our 20th anniversary, we went on a trip, we went on like uh, a cruise. My friends are like, where'd you go? I went to, well, we went to, we went down to Miami, went on this cruise. Where'd y'all go? When we first went to Switzerland, it was amazing. Then you're just like, okay. <laughs> okay. And all of a sudden, I start worshiping at the altar of should. I should be there. I should be in Switzerland. I, I, I should be going to where they go. Why am I not going where they're going? And that's not my story. Now I got all these great things from the Lord, been married 20 years, got these kids. I'm ignoring that because I don't have Switzerland. So I can't, even, I can't even appreciate what God has given me because I'm trying to keep up with people that I don't even know their story. They have Switzerland, I don't know if they have peace. They in the Alps, I, I know I have joy. I know I have the love of God in my life. I just don't, but there's something inside of me that literally tells me, you gotta be doing what they're doing. If you're gonna be at this age, it's time for you to be at where they're at. And it just draws at you. And then, and if you, and if you worship it enough, you will just rearrange your financial situation and just tell yourself, well, I should. I should. Come on now, I work so hard. I want to go to Switzerland. I ain't never thought about going to Switzerland in my entire life. <laughs> but when people, say, when people say things and when you see people, you just hear this whisper, this nudge inside of you. Why not you? Why not now? They have, they have a plan. You can, you can do a plan. Call them up. They'll have a plan. They got a plan. They got a plan, all right. Wherever you call has a plan for your money. Wherever you are, where you want to go, what you want to do, they have a plan. But God has a plan. The plan begins with you surrendering control and laying down your resources before the Lord and acknowledging these are yours. 
And we're going to talk more about this next week. But the question begins with how can I be more faithful to what God has given me? How can I steward those resources? Well, I'm not asking you, you know, because this is what we think. Well, if I had more, if you had more, nothing would change. Look at what the Bible says. Luke 16, one who is faithful over very little is also faithful with much. One who is dishonest with very little is also dishonest in much. Increase in your wealth does not change your character. It exposes your corruption. So don't think, oh man, when I get more, I'll, no you won't. Because those impulses will be deeper and greater. <laughs> when, when the tar- True story, we, we get married in 03. Now we've been working at, you know, restaurants and stuff, so my wife got her first jobby job. This is 2003. She made 30,000 a year. We were like, how can we spend all that? <laughs> Literally, that's what we said. We were like, how can we even spend all that? You know, we were living in Texas. We, I don't know how much we were paying for rent, but I just remember thinking, how are we gonna spend all that? We found a way. <laughs> And when you get more money, you find a way. And the way finds you. Yes, it does. Because there's always gonna be something there to say, you need this. You can, or we can make a plan. And all of you all are feeling this pressure. So this is not, talking about finances has a uniqueness to it because There's no golden child in here like, I don't feel those impulses. You a lie. Yes, you do. We all feel those pressures. No matter how spiritually disciplined you are in your finances, that does not mean you are not tempted and you do not struggle. Because because our culture, particularly American culture, is, is built on imagined wealth presume wealth, the look of wealth. And so you're, you could be broke right now, but man, you're, you're fighting to at least look like you have more than what you have. And so the Bible is saying, what do you have now? So here's the crux of this message is really getting you to look at what you have. So Some of you lost the password to your bank account code or online, find the password, start a new password, open it up, and and look at what you spend your money on on a regular basis. And that is actually a deeply spiritual thing. And then you can begin to organize it and say, okay, I am and you know, just looking at what you have actually coming in and where's it going. I cannot tell you how scary that can be for a lot of you. I know, you know, my wife is the, uh, she's the, the budget manager. And when we sit down and she does these fake spending freeze, she's like, spending freeze, like, I mean, it is, but she'd be, she be taking money too. 
She the bank teller and the robber at the same time. <laughs> but we do this, and we were like, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do, we're gonna do this. And when you sit down, you be like, ooh, I did get that, I did, mm, oof. It's just convicting. It's just convict. it just feels, and I, we're in love, and you know what I'm saying? Like, it's great, but just, just even doing it by my, it just feels like, oh man, there's something about me. Everything inside me wants to ignore this. But I'm telling you, the amount to the degree at which you ignore your budget to, is to the degree you're actually imagining what you have. And your imagination will lead to wild chaos. And some of your budgets right now are absolutely wild. It's just like, gunsling, it's like gang violence. It's crazy in there, man. It's crazy. Just don't go down that block. Woo! Man, it's wild. It's, whew, it's rough out there. It's, it's a tough street, that Bank of America street. It's tough. You don't want to go down there. I understand. but there is a greater grace. God has grace for every ounce of conviction you feel when you open up that budget. God has grace. God has grace for all the things that you feel like you shouldn't have done and did. God has grace for the inconsistency you will have. God has, he has grace. But you, but you have to begin with honesty. Pastor Josh, is gonna be doing, continuing his workshop on Wednesday. He's gonna do a great job with it. He's gonna give you tools. It's gonna be fantastic, all right? But he can't, you know, he can't be with you in your home. He can give you the principles, but a lot of this is taking that initiative on your own to sit down and begin to look at your budget. That dragon that I mentioned It is causing so many of you to not think about what you actually have and to wonder, and you know what God wants you to be? God ultimately wants you to be generous, and he wants you to be content, and he wants you to have gratitude. But that dragon just comes around, and it causes you to just think about what you don't have. Next week, we're gonna teach about honoring God with your wealth. And the more that you honor God, it slays the FOMO dragon. You can slay the dragon. You can. You can. You can destroy that old master. You can. Those impulses can be quieted down. You can. You do not have to obey the voice of the next thing to do. The more that you become aware of God's word and the more that you're around other people who live that way, the more that you will find that your finances get in shape. And you don't have to have a look. You can know you're honoring God and you can have the confidence of knowing I'm content with what God has given me. And then you'll adopt new language. I'll give you some. Folks are like, we are going out to brunch. 
and you say, I can't. And they say, what you mean you can't? You right there, come with this. And you say, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. You may not say that to them, but inside of you, I can't afford it. Yo, we're all going over to Switzerland. I can't afford that. Hey, don't take the train, just jump in an Uber. I can't afford an Uber. It's just an Uber, it's just my budget. I can't afford it. I can't afford it. What do you mean you can't afford the money? No, I can't afford not to be obedient. I can't afford it. Because he's been too good to me. And I actually, I'm sorry y'all, this money, it's actually not mine. I'm a steward of these resources. So I, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't go. And you know the brunch you miss, you'll be all right. The clothes you don't get, you'll be all right. The thing everyone's doing, they won't be doing it soon. You'll be all right. And that shot of feeling like you're getting in and not missing out, it is nothing. It is not even close. It can't even be compared to the feeling of knowing that you are being obedient to a holy God and the peace of knowing that you're walking according to his ways. Let's pray. We hope this message was encouraging to you. We invite you to send us an email at info at bridgechurchnyc.com so we can hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Our handle on all our social media platforms is at BridgeChurchNYC. Our website is BridgeChurchNYC.com. If you're in the New York City area, we would love to see you on a Sunday. Our services are at 1030 a.m. and noon on Sundays at 345 Adams Street in downtown Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope to see you soon.